Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the OSINT Curious Podcast webcast. I am one of your hosts for today. My name is Micah Hoffman. And we're going to have, uh, in the next hour, a whole bunch of really cool, fun, osint type of topics to talk about. But first, let's talk about who's on the line with me. I've got Dutch OSINT guy. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Cool. Ginsburg, 5150. What's going on? Hey. I've got Kirby Plessis. Hey, I'm here. Hey, Kirby. And later on, we're hoping that Laurent Bodo, another OSINT Curious member, uh, is online, and we're going to do an interview of him. And if he's not here, then we'll just go ahead and maybe talk uh, about terrorism and OSINT with Nico and the other people that are on the line. Okay? Yep. Sound good? Cool. So before we... Uh, get into the news we'll just jump in there um nico kirby uh ginsburg you got anything going on anything you want to talk about before we get into this no nothing specific it's been a busy busy week so yeah cool yeah, yeah I, I i i put up on twitter that i i did uh, take a, a position with a, a company as an ocean specialist so that's the big news for for me right now which i'm extremely happy about yeah, yeah. congratulations congrats man full time into being what i do all the time anyway and having fun with it so it's really yeah it's it's neat to move that hobby osint into the <laughs> i can make money off of osint right yeah, I've done I've done freelance stuff like that, whatever. But like being able to commit my entire day to it, not come home and then, you know, want to go through and do it, but not have any energy. So yeah, it's nice. cool. Well, welcome, man, and congratulations. Thank you. We're really it. happy for you. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with some news from around the internet? But yeah. before we do that, I would like to just give a huge, huge shout out to uh, our newest sponsor, OSINT Combine. OSINT Combine is located in Australia, and they've got courses, products, and a whole bunch of other things on their on their website here. Uh, great organization, and I rely on it for the Facebook geo pages. This is actually a fun thing that they do where you, it'll pull up the Facebook pages that are associated with a certain geolocation. Um, not the users, not the profiles, not people, but the actual pages that are located. Uh, so they've got a whole bunch of things um, on their webpage. Thank you to them for yeah. helping us out. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Thank you. All right. Let's next go to uh, a question brought to you by brought to us by one of our Twitter followers. And the question is, is what is the ethical stand in sock puppet accounts for general research, like legit research, just looking to maintain anonymity? I'm going to throw this out to our studio audience here, Kirby, Nico. My opinion is as long as you're not creating havoc, and in general, I'd say don't even make friends with people. You know, if you're doing it for investigations and you're law enforcement, go make friends with people. Um, and I think there's probably a few other cases that I'm not off the top of my head thinking of, but for if you're doing research and you're trying to make an anonymous account, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a very good thing, but don't be pretending to be someone else. Don't, you know, I, I think OSINT wise, you're looking to research from it. You're not using it to influence. I guess that's my, my opinion. 
Okay, so be, be and so creating a sock puppet or a research account or synthetic identity, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. to protect yourself. And as long as you're not in uh, acting as if that person, you're not taking active measures. You're cool with Kirby. You think and, it's and it's you're a, not pretending to be another real person out there. Okay. Yeah, I think the difference is that a lot of people um, think that OSINT is also a virtual human or information gathering through interactions and well opinions may differ on that but legally you just can't in a lot of countries so um you sometimes you may want to engage by friending or maybe start asking questions in certain groups of interests but it's just not OSINT, if you ask me, because it's it's the technique is, yeah, you move into open sources, but the intention and the pivot points that, that Sock Puppet takes is, is something else. I mean, in, from my perspective, it would be more like investigating with, uh, well, methods. Uh, law, law enforcement, for instance, needs to get uh, permission to do those things. Can I interject yeah. one example in here, though? So if it's something where if you ask the question, they would give the information to anybody and you don't have to, like, not be you or, you know, pretend to be someone to ask the question. I don't think that that's a problem. But when it's when they wouldn't give it to you, if you had asked them straight out, then that would be human. To me. Yeah. 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 Also yeah. Yeah. Corporate investigation and stuff like that. So just brand monitoring and making sure that nobody's doing anything that would be outside of the scope of what your company is advising for social media practices. You know, using a sock puppet to go through and monitor other people's posted information on there, friending them may be a legitimate way to go through and ensure that there's no, you know, bad things happening to the corporate side of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, it all depends on the case, I guess, in the end because I can only imagine for, uh, let's say, domestic or foreign terrorism cases, you want to go into groups and maybe ask around where to look around, for instance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think as long as you are making it to where you're not implying that you are someone else, like uh, Michael Bazell's big on sock puppets with you know no faces and things like that, just taking yeah. shots that are you know, like body or something, not really re revealing tattoos and things like that. Um, you know, and, and as long as it's not you impersonating someone, but you're actually creating the identity, that's another thing. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Another question answered by our team. Let's go back to the internet and let's look at this wonderful, wonderful article by Wonder Smith Ray. I love when Ray Baker writes because it's just it, it's easy to read. It's it's fun to get into and and she's she's uh, quite a talented OSINTer here too. This article here is by uh, Wonder Wonder Smith Ray who goes by Ray Baker, um, and it's on maritime intelligence gathering techniques. Now. One of the things that she brings up in this article is like marinetraffic.com, which is kind of like the flight radar 24 and, and the other airline tracker sites that, that use the ADSB. Here we have marine vessels that are being, being um, tracked and, and there's a little different technology that's being used. But what I love about this is that she shifts the perspective to being uh, about the people on those vessels. So here we got information about the ships and where they were and all. 
But then as we scroll down, we get this maritimeconnector.com site, which is an amazing resource on finding the people that work the ships and what they're looking for in jobs and what their certifications are and where their passports are. Um, all of these really interesting things. You get like entire histories of what these people did on what vessel during what time frames, And then you can pivot to the vessel, find other people. Etc. So, uh, great article. I enjoyed reading it. Um, anybody else yeah. check this out? Yeah, I checked this out, and it immediately uh, made me think of the incidents recently in the Strait of Hormuz, right? Because there are a lot of ships there being attacked, or being pirated, or getting held up for inspection or something. Now you can immediately check when it's all true. What's on those websites? You can check who's on board, what nationality, where the ship's from, where it's going. So it gives you a lot of insight to pivot into. Yeah. Cool. All right. Our next resource is the Global Investigative Journalism Network. Is that pronounced Hain or something? Is that do they pronounce it? As a G G I G N. That's G -I -G -N. how I know it. Yeah. Okay. I thought it might be Dutch too. I don't know. You know, yeah. words, words, words starting with G's and having J's in them. I thought might be like a word. Yeah. Forgive me, Dutch. Sorry. I'll forgive. Um. You. So has anybody checked out the uh, G I G N uh, investigative citizen investigative guide where they actually show you how to do investigative journalism? I look from it from time to time because they keep it kind of up to date. So yeah, it has some uh, valuable uh, sources. It points you to other blogs, for instance, but it also just shows you steps you can take. It's just this really comprehensive book-ish kind of where you can go through. And I like the way how they um, piece it up like government, uh, investing politics, digging up uh, records for properties. It's all section-based. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's kind of almost like their OSINT framework or um, like technozet.com site where they say, here's all the, the sources and go check them out. Yeah. These are our favorite sources. And kind of like Bellingcat has that document as well. Yeah. And was was this, was that the group that Sector did the uh, the talk with? Yeah, yeah I believe so. Yeah, two weeks ago, something Yeah, it's it's one of the biggest events in Europe for journalists. And correct me if I'm wrong, people, but I think there's over seven or eight thousand people at that conference. Wow! And it's wow. once every two years in somewhere in Asia, and then it's somewhere else in the world. So it's it's a re fairly big event. Wow. So we have time to submit our panel for next year, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next thing that we're that I want to talk about was Michael Bazell's book. Uh, he has he released this extreme privacy book, What It Takes to Disappear in America. He released it in the beginning of August, and I had the opportunity to to grab me a copy. And it's an interesting book. Did have any of you other people here uh, got it? You yeah, go. I got it, I, but I'm only halfway yet. I haven't yeah. found it, the time. It, it's, in, it's in my cart, but I have not purchased it yet. But I did want to go through and talk about it because I saw Dutch. You are going to be speaking with uh, Frank Ahern. Yeah, in, uh, in a month. Has, yeah, he has one of the best books, How to Disappear, that, I, that I, I've read. And I've read it several times, and I was always a big fan of his as well anyway. So uh, does his – does, does Bazell's stuff kind of match up 
with what Frank Ahern kind of preaches in regards to that stuff, or do you know? Well, I'm I'm only halfway, and I don't know. Did you read the book from Ahern, um, Mika? No, I haven't. I haven't read it yet. And Ginsburg, can you uh, find the, a link to that and either put it in the show notes or yeah, in absolutely. the chat? Cool. But um, from what I've read, um, and I'm and just making clear that I'm only halfway in Basel's book. Um, Basel's book is more um, in the now, and the Ahorn Ahorn book is well, it's it's a little bit older. So it what is. it's so from what I've read, it's more based on this century now where we're living. Yeah. And it is focused a lot on, I mean, the way that Bazell, hey, Laurent, uh, he's joining us now. Um, one of the things that, that Bazell mentions in the book, like v from the very get-go, two things. One, it is very United States focused, although there are techniques in there that can be used across the entire world. Um, and then the second thing is don't do anything in the book until you read the entire thing. Because as I'm reading through, I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could see doing that. But then later on, he's like, don't do this if you've got these things. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Um, so, uh, but it, it does talk about how to how everything is kind of not a deck of uh, a house of cards but everything is kind of positioned on top of each other when you start getting into privacy and removing yourself from the networks because um, you know you need that national id whether it's a driver's license or something else or a passport but to get a passport or driver's license you have to have other documents you have to pay for it somehow all of these things come into play so uh, there's some really neat stuff in there and i i i like the way it's uh it's it's going. I'm not all the way through it yet. No, it is definitely on the uh, recommended reading list. Yeah, we'll put links to both books in the show notes. Yep. yep. Welcome, Ron. Hi. Good morning. Hi, everyone. What time zone are you in morning. right now? So I don't know about the time zone, but it's five twenty a.m. So I thought I would be on at like six a.m. in forty minutes, but that's fine. Ah. Nope, sorry. It's uh, yeah, we go by UTC instead of the uh, okay. instead of London time. Yeah, but sorry. you can probably really see in my face how tired I am. I'm super jet lagged, <laughs> but I'm cool. super excited to be on the webcast finally. Yeah, it's nice to have you on. We're just going through some of the uh, of the the news from this past week. So uh, and then we'll yes. uh, we'll get around to interviewing you. Cool. Cool. All right. All right, so let's see what else we got online here. We got the Intel techniques. Ooh, we also have that second part of our Instagram blog post that went live. Technozet and I think Sector and Kirby uh, pitched in on this stuff. Uh, Kirby. Technozet, though. She just really churning through these uh, Instagram and Facebook stuff, so. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Technozet wrote this and uh, uh, co-wrote another Instagram, uh, another Instagram post that's on our OSINT Curious website. This one goes a little bit more into searching for different types of data and uh, is a terrific resource. I, I learn lots whenever I read her stuff. Yeah, it's a great blog once again. Yeah. So Nico, tell us about Tinder. Yeah, well, I'm no, I'm a need. No, <laughs> no I'm. Um, I was because I'm always looking for new ways to find uh, people or stuff. Um, I came across uh, a website called Go Tinder, and if you do Go Tinder slash add an a username, for instance Donald Trump, you will get pointed to. Uh, a Tinder account with the username Donald Trump, but you can do it with, uh, I don't know, uh, 
have whatever name you're looking for or person of interest of interest you're looking for but what it gives you it will give you um uh, a job position uh a first name sometimes even a last name an age and a picture so what um what i found was really interesting that for instance jay krebs pointed out is those are new pivot points so you've not only confirmed that someone is looking for a date online with that username, but you also now have a picture, uh, an, uh, an age, a job, a job or at least a job description and a name. So all those things you can now try and pivot into and try and confirm if this is the same person of interest you're looking into. So just a little tip and it got expanded by someone else uh, a little bit bigger. I do have a question. Does it only work with uh, usernames or has anyone tried to go through and do anything with phone numbers or anything with it? Um, I tried, but from what I get from it, it's only usernames. Cool. Basically, it's only like the user URL, right? It's not even the username right. so because because yeah. the name can because when it shows uh, someone's name, the name can differ from uh, the URL, right? Right. Cool. Hmm. Just thinking if there's maybe something else on the page we could look at, but yeah, it looks like it's just to. HTML. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, some you know another little clue to uh, online dating and uh, those profiles. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing, Nico. You're a sharer. Hey, before we leave the dating topic, has anybody been playing with that Facebook dating yet? Tell me more about that. You know, I signed up for an account for one of my puppets, but I, I haven't gotten anything back on it. I wouldn't Same. even get into it yet. Yeah, you want to explain I... it to the to everybody, Kirby? What it is? Well, I, I mean, I don't know what it is yet. So Facebook announced that they're going to do Facebook dating and they are going to also, uh, well, I mean, obviously set it up so that you can, you know, find people who have similar images or sorry, uh, interests. I'm going to guess Facebook's using their algorithm. Theoretically, you can also um, swipe if you like somebody who is a friend of yours and, or a friend of a friend. And if they swipe back, then you can hook up. Whereas I guess it's like a crush kind of thing. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of uh, podcasts yeah. ago where right. where it was creepy that here, the secret crush lets you match yeah. with people you already yeah. know on Facebook. It's like, if I like or Nico Instagram. and Nico says that he likes me, then we can yeah, get you know. matched Which up. Which is and stuff. the old school Tinder stuff in the first place. I mean, back yeah. when, it, when it connected with uh, Facebook stuff more. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because that, that, that was the way that a lot of the stuff would propagate was through uh, Facebook sign-on. And so then your your Tinder matches or, or your swipes or whatever would uh, become uh, populated in the, uh, hey, you may know them, this should be a friend of yours type thing. And, yeah. uh, that I'm just really excited good. to see when this gets live though. So like, what kind of data can we pull from it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you can only imagine if they even combine this with Bluetooth tracking and all that kind of stuff, right? What can possibly right. go wrong? Nico, they wouldn't make it creepy. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Never. Never. Yeah. yeah. Or wouldn't that be weird if it was like, yeah, hey, hey, Micah likes this person and Micah is now shopping in a store with these types of products or something yeah, like that. Just checked in on Foursquare or Yelp for this and uh, yeah. they couldn't pattern your location or, you know. Nah. Facebook knows that you 
matched with a crush and you're on their way because you said, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, hit visit. You go to the grocery store and now you're getting ads to go down the condom aisle maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or wine, alcohol. Wine, alcohol, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, or if maybe if they'd like sense a pattern, like he went down the wine aisle, then he went down the French bread aisle, then he went yeah. down that condom aisle. You know, you wow, Mike is going to a date. Google, yeah, because you have your phone on Google Maps is tracking all your location and you can go through your timeline and see. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. All right, cool. <laughs> Internet made you guys paranoid. I wouldn't think of those things. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. So uh, anything else before we head over to counterterrorism, terrorism, Laron, Nico, all those people? No? All right. Uh, well, then let me go ahead and put this up on the screen so that people can know who Laron Bodo is. Because, Laron, is this your first time on the webcast? Yes, absolutely. So thanks again uh, yeah, for inviting me. I'm actually one of the co-founders, but I never had the time to really come on your webcast. And it's amazing. So I'm also a big, big fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks you for helping us. us. As one of yes, us. Of course, <laughs> yeah, you're one of us, so you can't be a fan uh, of us. Yeah, we're excited to be on the webcast. I'm his, so yeah, it's okay. I, I understand, yeah. All right. So, Laurent, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? and uh, how you're using OSINT and what you're a part of, all those groups yeah. and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm currently working as an open source intelligence analyst at Tech Against Terrorism. So it's also on my profile. So let me briefly talk about Tech Against Terrorism and perhaps I can also talk about how I got into OSINT. Uh, I think that might be of interest to some people here. Um, so let's, start about, um, let's talk about Tech Against Terrorism. So Tech Against Terrorism is a public-private partnership and we support the global tech industry in tackling terrorist use of the internet. So how we do this, so our work centers around three main pillars. The first one being the tech sector outreach, where we reach out to smaller tech companies and offer them in-person training uh, to build capacity. So we do that in a variety of ways. The second pillar would be around knowledge sharing, where we share operational resources with these companies. And this could be around things like what's, what is the definition of terrorism or what are definitions of terrorism to help them create better um, terms of service and also community guidelines, but also help them and share logos, uh, keywords, etc., that are used by terrorists to help content moderators moderate their platforms much better. And the last pillar, Attack Against Terrorism, focuses on operational support. So you may have heard of some of you who work in this area <clears throat> about jihadology.net, which is the largest academic uh, repository of verified terrorist material. And there were some concerns that uh, this repository is used by a lot of um, bad actors out there. And instead of putting everything on Facebook and Twitter, they were simply linking to the repository. And this was a big problem. And what I said about Attack Against Terrorism is uh, the, the focus on the operational support is that we password protected jihadology. So now it's not possible to access Geodology just by visiting the website. So now people can't share the link to verify terrorist material. Uh, in order to access it, you actually have to um, go through some sort of, uh, you have to apply, basically, send an email. And only verified email accounts or emails that are affiliated with universities or other institutes uh, get access to Geodology. So this uh, was a huge success for us because we... We, of course, try to prevent people or people who are vulnerable to radicalization 
to access this type of material because we don't want it, obviously. And one of the big, bigger projects that we're currently doing at Tech Against Terrorism and start developing is the development of the so-called terrorist content analytics platform. So this will be also used to support smaller tech platforms, but also researchers and also data scientists. So in essence, it will facilitate affordable information sharing and uh, alerts between internet platforms. So what the terrorist content analytics platform is, is a, centra a cent centralized uh, information uh, sharing database of terrorist content. So the problem is now at the moment that we have these different repositories surfacing on here, on there, so we have different entities uh, collecting different data sets. And what we try to do is to centralize everything uh, so, it's, so we can give access to academics. Uh, they can study the material. They can use it for, for a variety of purposes, but also give data scientists access to this large data set so they can come up with better algorithms. And in essence, we want to use the TCAP to support smaller platforms, but also other users, as I mentioned, academics and data scientists. So, yeah, that's about tech against terrorism, I would say. Cool. Well, and, uh, yeah. and so um, for tech against terrorism, what are the types of terrorism that you all are focusing on? Is it, is it one group? Is it any terrorism around the world? Is it certain continents? So at tech against terrorism, we focus on all kinds of, so we, all terrorisms, or however you want to call it. So this is, this is not solely focusing on Salafi Jihadism, which is uh, like pre, pre, um, prominent groups such as the so-called Islamic State or Al-Qaeda. So we focus on that as well, but we also to, try to include other forms of extremisms. Okay. And as so the far, far right and, and, and animal yeah. extremists, extremists and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, I personally haven't done any work on animal extremisms or this kind of stuff. But as the name suggests, Tech Against Terrorism, um, terrorism comes in many forms. And that's why we also look at different forms of terrorism. And it's not really focusing on one particular, one specific group. But yeah, okay. so. And Nico, you also have been dealing with terrorists, not terrorists, uh, have been using OSINT for uh, tracking terrorists and all for a long time as well. Um, yeah. What type of terrorism do, do you or did you work with? Um, well, when I was back in law enforcement, I used to do, um, well, it was mainly, uh, then it was jihadism because that was the hot topic in Europe because due to all the attacks, right? It was in the period, most period, like, 2008 and 2019 that period was like the the peak level but also um left right extremism but also you had in the netherlands for instance you also have a thing called the the schwarzen pieten discussion which the black pete discussion is like the santa claus uh, racist thing that they have so that also had some some forms of extremism within it so i looked into those groups and try to figure out stuff all right and i guess that's a question another well, actually uh ginsburg kirby do you all have experience osenting uh for uh terrorism and extreme groups um i've done some of the islamic terrorism stuff before i mean i am an arabic linguist or was i'm <laughs> not very good at it anymore but um I'd say that most of my OSIN stuff has not gone toward terrorism. It's been um, all sorts of other things. But. Okay. Yeah, yeah mostly just for like homegrown and uh, hate group stuff. Uh, that's really the extent of anything that I've looked at for extremist side stuff. 
Okay. So uh, let's get back to uh, Laurent. Uh, when, when you're doing OSINT for extreme groups, whether it, you know, whatever the group is, um, are there are there certain uh, process things that you're going through? Like when you were starting with a brand new group, we need to understand these types of things, or is it more just pulling that thread and starting out with that tweet and seeing what accounts are connected and all? How, how do you all uh, start with that or do that? Yeah, so two important points here. So the first one being, that um, regardless of what kind of group I'm looking at or what I'm researching, the underlying methods, the underlying tools and techniques that I use can be applied to literally anything. So that's the interesting thing here uh, to mention. So I could really use these techniques and also do some business intelligence and look up companies. The second thing I wanted to mention is um, what kind, so what I'm actually doing is I research specifically terrorist use of the internet and technology. So I'm interested in what platforms they use uh, what type of uh, technology they're interested in. And uh, as I said at Tech Against Terrorism, so we support the global tech industry, but we focus primarily on smaller platforms because they don't have the resources uh, to successfully tackle terrorist exploitation of their platform. So they require a lot of help. And we do this through these three pillars that I mentioned, capacity building, uh, tech sector outreach. So, hey, I think you have a problem. We spotted terrorists um, dumping a lot of material on your platform. Let us help you. But also the second one, knowledge sharing. So helping them with, so this is how you can figure out that this is terrorist content. Uh, if you want to you know, create a policy on removing terrorist material from your platform, we can help you with um, a developing a terms of service and community guidelines, but also more the operational support with the TCAP. So the TCAP, I don't know if I highlighted that again, but it will be a secure online platform that uh, hosts terrorist material, including verified terrorist content. So imagery, video, PDF, etc., collected from a variety of open sources and existing data sets. And once this is established on the centralized platform, we can then send out alerts to these smaller platforms and let them know that in real time, basically, that currently terrorist content has been found on this platform. So be aware this is how it looks like, this is what it is. So when, uh, coming back to your question, so I'm specifically in the process of uh, following, tracking and monitoring these groups and see where they are. So everyone knows that they're currently on Telegram, but they have been also experimenting with a lot of other interesting uh, niche technologies. And uh, one of which is the decentralized web, perhaps I can talk a little bit about it later. Um, but also other sorts of um, new and smaller and lesser known platforms such as, so one platform that I found uh, a couple of months ago was called, um, I think it was, what was it? I can't remember from the top of my head, but it was based in Algeria. Um, I found the Facebook page. Uh, I, found, I looked up who's the owner, et cetera. I found more information about the, uh, who is website, et cetera, trying to create a profile about that platform. And there are, so many, there are so many platforms out there. And one last thing I wanted to highlight here is that, especially with the so-called Islamic State, um, we also analyzed the outgoing links from Telegram. So when we are doing research on Telegram, I'm specifically, or we at the, te uh, so the whole team is interested at the URLs. So where's the content leading to, to what platform? Because in order to help them, we need to identify where or who, they, who actually are affected by these um, terrorists. So we analyzed more than 46,000 uh, URLs, and now we have over 50,000 URLs. And with this, we did some fancy data analysis where you can see over time that you know, this particular website was used, and now they switched to this website, and now they're using that website. So this informs our strategy as well. Cool. So I have a 
question. So yeah. for the, for the monitoring and stuff like that, is is the stuff that you're capturing more for the recruitment side or more for communication side? Uh, how do you mean? so? I mean, yeah. So when we talk about terrorist use of the internet, I mean there are when we look at the taxonomy, there are different um, cases or use cases for why, why they use the internet. So recruitment is one of them, radicalizing as well, inciting and even directing terror attacks from afar, as we saw in 2017, 2018, uh, where, you know, some, some sort of handlers were sitting in, uh, you know, parts of the world and directing terrorists, especially one in Germany in Ansbach or even in Würzburg, and then directing them to carry out an attack. So for us, it's the only thing that matters is, is uh, to support a smaller platform and where the content is hosted and what the content is actually saying. So whether it's saying, uh, please join us, come do the Hitra, and we've got nice tea and coffee here and we have Jamaican curry, <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff. Um, this is, it's, it's not the primary, we're not primarily interested in the content. Of course, it, it, it is very important, but what's more important is where it is hosted what technology are they using? So we want to help those platforms to tackle it successfully. So in order to do that, we need to do our research first. Laurent, um, Neil asked if the platform you were thinking about was Tugo or Eskimi. Ah, Tugo. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, I don't it was, oh, let me. It's okay. I mean, if you can't think of it, um, he was just asking. Yeah. Cool. No, but they, yeah, and what I wanted to say also in the in the analysis that we did, so, in the data set we had, on the sample, we had over 330 smaller platforms were identified. So when we talk about terrorist use of the internet, the big platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, Google, they all ramped up their efforts uh, significantly. And of course, sometimes here and there, you find occasionally one or two of them, right? But overall, compared to the beginning of when they, you know, when they announced the caliphate and how many of them were on Twitter, you can see that they have successful, they, ha they have succeeded. And that's why they also migrated to these smaller platforms where they are at the moment. And this is a huge concern. So, so I have a question for you. You, you see them um, shift to the smaller platforms, but when it comes to recruiting or spreading um, fear to people, you need to reach people. So it doesn't make sense, if you ask me, to be on a smaller platform because that's where, not, where, the, where the vast majority is. What's yeah, your absolutely. opinion on that? Yeah, so um, smaller platforms are used in tandem. And as you said, said, you want to reach a wide audience. So there are several factors and, um, that, that play a huge role in determining which platform they want to choose. So we've been also monitoring um, the official um, so-called Islamic states and what they want to do next. And it looks like, I mean, they want to find a viable alternative to Telegram. Telegram at the moment offers them a safe haven. It's easy to use. You can reach a lot of people, but at the same time, they also ramped up to some degree their efforts to taking down accounts. So this is what's happening on Telegram as well, making it sometimes very challenging and difficult to get back into these groups and channels. Um, so whenever they, there's a new release or video, they use these smaller platforms in tandem. What I mean by smaller platforms, they are usually content storage uh, hosting websites. So for instance, uh, Just Pasted is one of these examples, also found in our data set. And there are so many weird not, not weird, but, um, you know, you never heard of these websites, but they are used to just host the content. It's basically a paste website. And what they do with these bigger websites, they use them as so-called beacons to signpost something is there. So they go onto Twitter, as you said, they go into these big websites, uh, social media platforms and say, hey, uh, hey, brothers and sisters, 
here's the, here's the latest release, check it out, here's the link. And when you look at the links, they're all linked to these smaller sites because, no, you know, it's difficult for, imagine you had this, you owned a smaller uh, paste website. And then you get requests from governments to take down that content. And at the same time, you, you get bombarded by these emails that, oh, you have a problem, you have a problem. At some point, you just either you can't deal with it because there are so many reasons why you can't deal with it, technical expertise, but also simply just time. You have no time to deal with it. And that's why you require help from outside. And you just leave it there. Or you can even forget about your website that you set up two years ago and uh, some jihadi found the website and it's really useful. So coming back to your question, they used it in tandem, uh, these smaller platforms. And what's also interesting is they not only use these uh, content um, hosting sites, but also uh, so-called circumventors that we call them circumventors, such as archive, uh, archiving websites. So the question here is you want to take down content, but once you've archived it, you can't really take it down, right? So this is also yeah. major make, make, Makes sense, but, but um, so... Um, looking at OSINT in this uh, subject, um, you need to focus on tracing and monitoring uh, subjects, but maybe also um, persons of interest because those are the, the ones you see coming back time after time. Um, from my background in law enforcement, mm -hmm. um, how do you guys cope with the confliction? So, because I know, for instance, in Telegram groups, there are like, let's say there are 100 people in the group, and probably 50 of them are either law enforcement from all over the world, uh, yeah. or uh, intelligence agencies from all over the world, or journalists. How do you filter out those sock puppets? Because they are only noise to your investigation. Or how no. do you point them out as, as maybe um, pushing other tactics to uh, dissolve groups, for instance? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, and I also believe it would be funny to, you know, to just have a survey and say, hey, can you please fill it out? Are you law enforcement or are you a researcher? But I highly doubt that they're going to click on it. Um, yeah. You never know. Yeah, exactly. but, but for instance, you could think of uh, tech against terrorism to use open source intelligence or at least let open source researchers yeah. um, maybe on a hash value, uh, trusted platform, deconflict their mm -hmm. sock puppets. So yeah, you don't have to spend time on them anymore. But that was just a, you uh, hearing you talk. I was just like, wow, this could be interesting because no, and, yeah, there's so much noise already out there. Absolutely. So that's a valid concern and absolutely right um, to say that you need to be careful. So there are a couple of things I want to point out. So the first one is that as a public-private partnership, we work together with a wide variety of stakeholders. So we work together with the, the government. We work together with um, so governments, not the government, um, governments, uh, civil society, but also tech companies. So we are in the intersection. And civil society also includes uh, academics and a lot of other experts. And with regard to Telegram, so we work together with um, a couple of academics who also sent us their links. Because as I said, we are solely interested in links. So what I do at the weekend, this is a different story. Um, but w at work, specifically interested in URLs, analyzing it. Everything that has to do with technology, everything that has to do with experimenting with new platforms. And this is not only on, on Telegram, this can be anywhere, right? on the surface web as well, if you come across something interesting, like, oh, wait a second, that's, a, that's an interesting looking website on the surface web. How is this possible? So things like that. But um, 
we also have rules. So also rules of kind of like rules of engagement. So um, I would never uh, reach out to someone actively and talk to them. If someone, this happened to me several times. And that's why I think I was also put on a ban list. Um, someone reached out to me in Arabic and asking me, how are you? And I just, I don't reply. So this is my like red line. So whenever it comes to OSINs, perhaps we can also talk about ethics, uh, which is very important uh, here as well, is um, where do you draw the line? What is, uh, what is it, what you want to do to find a piece of information? I mean, ethically speaking, you can do a lot here. Um, for instance, you can send them some uh, malicious links or files, you know, they open it and then you, you know, you can do some interesting thing here, but can you do this ethically? Is that, is that the thing? Uh, just generally speaking about also not just terrorism context, but uh, yeah, to, to answer your question. So um, yeah, it's difficult to, to know exactly who is who. And based on that, I would never ever um, reach out to one specifically and then have some sort of conversation because you never know who sits at the end. And it's probably, I agree with you, most of them are on the good side and the bad people, um, they are probably also in there, but it's difficult to see who, who is who. No. So one of the questions that Neil, uh, one of our uh, panelists, or not panelists, one of our attendees has asked is, uh, talk to him about, about the, the burning of, of um, op, uh, essentially burning a, a source or going ahead and just letting them post. So essentially, uh, is it better to go ahead and identify social media sites and social media accounts and profiles that are propagating terroristic and terrorist ideas and all and get them shut down and then trying to figure out where they hop to next and then getting that shut down and playing this kind of game of whack-a-mole or would it be better to just let them have their platform try to minimize it as best you can like the silent bans and stuff that are happening on a lot of the social media platforms but then you can watch and you can get the intel from that so uh nico Laurent, what are your thoughts on that so my if i can if i may start um so that's an absolutely important point here. And this is also one of the major concerns when it comes to researching this. And this leads me back to ethics. So if you, if you look at my Twitter uh, feed, for example, I usually don't tweet about these things. So of course I tweet about terrorism and radicalization, et cetera, but never about these kind of findings like, hey, look at this Telegram channel. Here's the name. Here is how you can find it. And this is what they said now. Um, because... Uh, I don't want to give too much information away for two main reasons. The first one is open source intelligence, the tools, techniques, methodologies. This is still intelligence tradecraft. So bad actors, you know, when you write these blog posts, they get indexed and bad people who want to do some stuff. Um, if you teach them how to do bad things on bad websites, you know, they can use it. And I just don't want to share these details with them. Um, it's different when you write something about, you know, this is how you can Google and, you know, this is make your searches effective. There, there's nothing about that. But when it comes to uh, counterterrorism, terrorism in general, I'm really reluctant to share these details and techniques and methods. So I'm happy to discuss it with other um, people. And I also reached out to Dutch Osenkai uh, on several occasions asking, his, asking for his opinion, etc. So I think that's important. And coming back to Neil's question. So, yeah, absolutely. That's important. And I can see that also sometimes on, on, on Twitter, but also other social media platforms that if you, you want to announce something that you just discovered, you have to think about it carefully. Do you want to announce it now as like, this is the, you know, everybody needs to know that, or do you want to just wait and collect more information about that? Yeah. And I think that's a trade -off. 
And, and you know, that, that brings us to an interesting little point, and, and I'd be interested to hear what Kirby's thinking about this and, and everybody else, too, is, is when, you're, when you're teaching public classes or teaching public events and blog posting and things like that, sharing OSINT knowledge of techniques and tools, you, you run the risk of providing those tools and those techniques to people that are going to use them for bad. And we've also seen places where we provide a technique of harvesting information from a certain social media place. And then that social media group, it, social media company looks at it and goes, hey, we need to shut that down. So I guess uh, what I want to see her from Kirby or, or Ginsburg or Nico is, is how do you balance what you share publicly as far as OSINT learning and training versus what you hold back? I definitely hold back from like um, public events that will go out to, you know, anyone. So it'd be blog posts or that sort of thing. I generally will share with law enforcement or government customers almost everything that I know, but uh, I don't share that same sort of thing um, to, you know, non-law enforcement sources. Okay. There's, in this, actually, it's very few things, though, because my theory is most of that stuff is going to get out there. And even if I don't put it out there, I'm not the, you know, yeah. unique flower. Somebody else has discovered it as well. And so it's out there. And so it's better that I teach the good guys that mm -hmm. it's out there. And then if it gets shut down, okay, let's figure out what the next thing is. Ginsburg, yeah. Nico, either of you have uh, thoughts? Yeah, well, I, of course, you want, only want to teach the good guys. But when you look, for instance, for the company I work now at Balancat, they basically teach everything they know to everyone. But still, that can also be used for, well, at least for the adversary to learn from. We have seen them learn from their mistakes just by pointing out their mistakes. So, yeah, there's a thin line in there and you obviously don't want to make them any smarter than they already are, but still sometimes you just need to disclose something mm. publicly. The, the, the other difficult part about that is, is training the people who are in the positions who don't know what the adversary may know. So sometimes bringing things up, even though they may be sensitive ways to go through and extract information or tracking and all that stuff. If, if you're not, if you're not keeping your people up to date, you know, the, the defenders, the network defenders, the law enforcement, all that, because there is such an amount of technical debt, especially on the law enforcement side, or at least on the U.S. side. Now, when you get into the DFIR and the labs and all that stuff, that's one thing. But for the, the average person on the street who is, you know, uh, you know, patrolling cars and stuff like that, they, they really don't have a lot of the expertise. So even basic Google or social media searches and stuff like that can be a huge boon for them. But um it's tough because yeah, more information you put out there, that means there's more opportunity for other people to learn that stuff. So it is kind of the fine line, but I, I, I think, I think exposing it is a little bit better just because if everyone knows about it, it's easier to defend against. It's just tough because then when you expose it, then you have the opportunity for people to, to use it against um, more unknowing people. You know, what do you think, Laurent? Fishing and all that. I mean to be honest, I share your opinions. Uh, I totally agree with you, Dutch Olsen, um, Ginsburg, and also Kirby. Um, you made valid points, and I think when we assess this, uh, the, the question, shall I share it or not, shall I talk about this methodology, we always have to keep in mind that, you know, it's good, uh, the greater good, of, it's good, uh, beneficial for the public good, you know, for the Ozen community. I mean, there's so many brilliant Ozenters on, on Twitter alone or Reddit and other platforms, and the stuff that they do is really good. 
And I also learn a lot by just reading through what they have done. I'm like, oh, I didn't know even that you could also, you know, apply OSINT in this area here. Wow, it's, in, it's really good. Of course, bad actors, they can always find that kind of information online. But if we were, to, if we were focused solely just on, on the aspect of trying to stop or prevent bad actors from learning OSINT and learning other stuff as well, and then say, oh, I, that's why I'm not publishing it. This is also bad and it shouldn't be the case. So I think overall it's for the, for the greater good to share this knowledge. But personally, when it comes to CT, um, I just don't like to do that. Yeah, it's probably a hard habit to break of, of not sharing things. Or, uh, I mean, it's a good practice to do also to share I mean, it with the right people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is like very specific niche things, such yeah. as you know, how to make it easier to do certain things on Telegram. Yeah. I don't want to put it out there. But if I know someone who's working on it, I then discuss it, of course, and share it with other people who work in that field, who I can trust and who I know, of course. Yeah, and I like the way in the, in what Kirby mentioned is that, you know, it, it is kind of a cat and mouse. It is a kind of a, a hey, we're going to tell you that we do these things, and if you're smart enough to listen, you know, then you might not do them anymore. Well, then we're going to find you what you're doing next. And we've been doing this in cybersecurity for decades yeah. and decades and decades, right? They, for a long time, the attackers and the cyber um, cyber attackers would, would do these things, and we're like, wow, we didn't even know that that could be done. But then there's a huge amount of data sharing has been happening over the years and these these new techniques get shared and if people are watching you know they will go ahead and defend against it and if not then you know attackers will attack yeah. um, we are getting tight on time here Laurent you have a, a counterterrorism start me page right yes uh, just let me know when I should stop so I can share my screen with you. Why don't you uh, go ahead and share and tell us a little bit about it and, and yeah. any other resources you want to do. Can you see it? Yep we got it Okay, cool. Um, so this, the idea behind this dashboard is, so this leads back to the story, how I started, you know, uh, getting into OSINT, etc. So over the years, I've collected a lot of links and useful resources to tools, techniques, etc. Um, on this dashboard, the specific techniques that I mentioned earlier are not on there. Um, they are somewhere else, but um, anyways. So the idea behind this dashboard was that I can't do everything on my own. I quickly realized like collaboration is key and you need to share stuff. So that's why I thought, okay, for everyone who just starts uh, with this, uh, gets into OSINT or generally into terrorism, I mean, this can happen at work as well. One day you work on one thing, the next day um, you are tasked. So the intelligence requirement is, you know, write a group, uh, profile about this particular group and you know, have no clue about the ideology about that particular group or the region, etc. So. If we look at the table of contents, so I tried to give it a bit of structure. So the earlier version had just a bunch of links and a couple of, you know, things there. Um, so the first one leads to um, latest news articles reports. So this is really good for everyone who's interested or wants to keep up with the latest trends. So the first resource I want to point out is here, a curated list of recently published uh, articles from academics, and it's by the Marshall Center. It's a transnational weekly. So every single week, they upload, this is um, the latest news, the latest articles about the terrorism subject in general. So for anyone who wants to keep up with it, that's the number one source. Uh, it's also for free. Um, Counterterrorism Executive Directorate, Research Digest, they do something similar. They com uh, compile the uh, research and here are all the seven issues so far. And then for people who want to read more, into, uh, more about terrorism, especially more academic papers, I highly recommend also these search engines especially this one core. It's, it's amazing what it does. So 
when you just scroll on it, um, you can type in things. That you, let's say you're interested in terrorist use of the internet. Uh, you click um, search, and it is the world's largest collection of open source access so um, research papers. So, with academic papers in general, there are many of them are behind a paywall, and this sometimes is really it's really problematic, especially if you don't you know you can't pay or afford because these articles are really expensive. So this one pulls all the uh, freely available and publicly available articles from different places. So this is pretty interesting for those who are interested in more the uh, academic side. But let's just go back to some other things. So that's, these are links um, to research, news, uh, etc. So for those that are uh, interested in terrorism financing, I've also compiled here a useful uh, list of resources, links and tools. So starting off with a couple of reports to just, you know, familiarize yourself with the basics. So who's the who, who's who, uh, regulatory frameworks, etc. And then moving on to list of proscribed terrorist organizations. So this is also um, something uh, to look at. What are actually proscribed terrorist organizations in the EU? What uh, are terrorist organizations proscribed by the US, etc. And then moving on to a bunch of other um, resources such as if you want to look up some company or charity information, especially with regards to terrorism financing, this is interesting because there are sometimes so charities um, is one of the methods used to you know to um, finance terror uh, to finance terrorism. And here you can find a lot of useful resources. I mean, there's so many. I could talk like an hour about open corporates and stuff like that. Um, Sanctions list is another very interesting tool. So you have databases already paid for databases where you just type in a name and then it uh, cross-checks it with, you know, these publicly available sources and then it says yes on the sanctions list or no, but you can also do that manually. Um, for Bitcoin research resources, I mean, uh, Benjamin Strick has done a lot on that. Um, um, he's really a go-to source also for me because we've been also working on some stuff um, with regards to Bitcoins, but here also a couple of resources that I find very interesting, not, not only interesting, but very useful. Um, so that's about terrorism financing. And generally, I recommend everyone who, who's working in this area or who just gets started in, uh, with OSINT and wants to do more, especially in the CT area, just click on every, every single page and familiarize <laughs> with what is out there. Uh, so, <laughs> just so, click everything it'll be fine yeah click everything. I mean, you know be just curious and this section here is particularly interesting um especially for academics so academics who require data sets or who want to do some research master students bachelor students this is like over 40 different data sets just compiled over the last couple of years um there's also one thing that i want to highlight here is data set search by google uh, really useful or if you are interested in the profiles of uh, terrorists uh, the BBC they have done oh my god this is really good this is like really good OSINT what they have done uh, I'm not quite sure if they use publicly available sources uh, solely or they had access to other types of data but here they have um, approximately 850 people um, they profiled 850 people and you can see you can filter them by died in the UK convicted died in Iraq or Syria so all these people are affiliated with um, the Islamic State and then you can read the profiles. And then if you want to build your own data sets, you can use that and then, you know, find newspaper articles and find relevant data and piece everything together. So this is really useful. Um, let me also show you a couple of other things here. So I also have a dashboard on women, peace and security. And um, this is very important. 
because um, I also personally believe that having a gendered lens in research is very important um, to just consider the, the differences between male and female. And not only that, but it goes beyond that. And um, there are also other links uh, relating to this topic that are very important. And this one here is probably my, my favorite because I'm also doing that um, at work. So online extremism, online terrorism. Um, so here's also a couple of resources around um, OPSEC. So articles that I found that are really useful and helpful and to safeguard uh, anonymity and your privacy. Um, a couple of legal and ethical issues to consider when you want to do, uh, when you want to go about and research something online. And then here, so um, the library, uh, VoxPol. So this is, I would say, the number one um, go-to institute if, you'd, if you're interested in this type of research, online extremism, terrorism online. Um, then here, a bunch of other lists. So Arabic names, um, if you're not familiar with the structure, you can have a look at that. Logos and symbols, if you want to familiarize yourself and understand like, who is that group, uh, what logo are they using, this is the same thing that we do with our knowledge sharing platform, Attack Against Terrorism, uh, logos and symbols. Because, you know, if you, as I said, uh, from one day to another, you can have a new task and then suddenly you're working in this environment and you don't have a clue like, who the hell is this group, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, Laurent, yeah. we, have, uh, we have just a very little bit amount of time here left in the webcast podcast. Um, can you tell us uh, if somebody wanted to get into the world of counterterrorism and terrorism research, uh, what's one thing that you'd recommend? Just just one thing that you'd recommend that they do to start out. Okay. Um, one thing that I would recommend. I mean, there are many, many things to recommend, but certainly um, I think connecting the dots, critical thinking is here crucial. Um, being aware of biases, especially when you work on um, Salafi jihadism. And, you know, these, these, uh, being aware of different types of biases that can affect your analysis, because eventually critical thinking is key here. Using tools and techniques is simple, getting data, but connecting the dots is where it, comes, it becomes very, very challenging and difficult. And then being critical and saying that just because I saw this piece of information and because of that image, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's a terrorist. And then going out there on Twitter and say, hey, here's my new case study. I found a terrorist. And then it turns out he's not a terrorist. Um, he's not, it was just a sarcasm or the person who did the analysis um, doesn't speak Arabic or things like that. So okay. um, def there are many things um, to consider, but critical thinking, uh, thinking skills and being aware of biases that can influence an analyst and his decision making, um, as I think very, very important. Okay. Hey, thank you very much, Laurent. And uh, as we've already mentioned, Laurent's Twitter handle is Laurent Bodo. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. And we'll also have a link to your radicalism and terrorism uh, website there, the Start Me, and the um, uh, the other projects that you're associated with, too. So uh, awesome. thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are at the end of our show, which means one last thing that we have to do, and that's shameless self-promotion. Yay! I know, Nico, your favorite part of the show. I know. And speaking of Nico, hey, are you going to be hey. at Twerkers? Oh, Tweakers. Twer sorry. Uh, Twerkers. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Twerkers is the other day. No. Yeah. <laughs> we need to uh, video this, Twerkers. <laughs> <laughs> you mess up one yeah. letter. Jeez. 
No, I'm, no. Uh, I will be at Tweakers, the, the Tweakers privacy and, privacy and security event in November 2nd in the Netherlands. And that's the event where Frank Ahern is uh, keynote speaking also. So come on over if you're in the Netherlands. Very cool. Or make a special trip and Nico will buy you uh, your beverage of choice. Yeah, and beta balls. That's and and balls. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, for me, I've got uh, my open source intelligence class. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, Sec 487, we are having a, a ball with it, and it is happening all around the world. We've got classes that are open in Australia and Singapore coming up. Uh, the UK, I wish I was doing that, Laurent. I could come and say hi to you. Uh, but we also got John Turbush, who's also a member of the OSINT Curious Project, teaching us in Atlanta, and of course me in DC. Now, one last thing, and somebody mentioned this, Neil, I think, in the very beginning of the, the webcast podcast. Uh, there is a SANS Open Source Intelligence Summit. It is a one-day OSINT conference in February, February 18th. It's just the 18th, and then we run classes afterwards, regular SANS classes. It is a one-day conference, and it's got to be really cool. I'm the, the chair of it, and we have a bunch of talks that people have submitted. I'm very excited because we've got people from all over the world that have asked to present and some interesting, interesting topic. So uh, right now we it is open for people to, to sign up and to attend, and there is a 30% discount for law enforcement. That is the OSINT Summit. Now, Kirby Plasis, you are going to be speaking somewhere in the coming days, aren't you? I am. Um, so this is in about a week and a day or something like that, right? But right before that, I'm also in uh, New York at the International Association of Financial Crime Investigators for their New York Okay. Uh, meeting, but yeah. Then after that, I met Osmosis, and that's uh, if anybody's going to be there, let me know. Let's uh, meet up. I'm, I'll be there Sunday night. So if anyone wants to meet for drinks before the conference starts, let me know. Cool. And Ginsburg, tell us uh, you got anything to promote aside from congratulations on your promotion, oh, or your yeah. new oh, job, new new role and stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hacker halted uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, next week. The 10th and 11th, I'll be speaking on Friday uh, about like passive threat landscape and what people can do to, to kind of weaponize OSINT, um, that type of stuff. People, what you can do to, to, to avoid it in Wells. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Atlanta next week. So if anybody's out there, Hacker Halted, come come find me. I know, uh, I think Ray is actually going to be out there. So I'm going to be making some time with her and there's some other people uh, to, to hang out. Yeah, should be a good time. Cool. I want to see some pictures of shoes, all right? shoes and uh, faces but black bars across the eyes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just the eye you do, you just got to put dots on the pupils that's all that yeah. that anonymizes everything <laughs> don't get me started all right and Laron, do you have any uh, places where people can go to see or hear you talk or just meet up with you um no not okay. really not at the moment but yeah please check out um also um the Twitter page of uh, Tech Against Terrorism. So it's at Tech versus Terrorism. If you're interested in the topic, and just follow us if you want to hear the latest. Yeah, the news. podcast is really good too. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah so we're currently recording more podcasts and uh, yeah. more episodes. But uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we should get the rest of them on here too. That'd be awesome. Cotton? I said we should get the rest of the group on there, on here. Oh, to yeah. talk more. I'm sure yeah. it'd be nice to do that. Yeah, cool. One big ass podcast. I like yeah. That. <laughs> All right. 
Well, uh, thank you to our not so special guest, but just our Ocean Curious uh, founding member, Laurent Bodo, uh, as well as our current uh, hosts here, uh, Ginsburg, Kirby, Nico, and myself, Micah Hoffman. From all of us to all of you, um, thank you to our attendees that have shown up as well and listened to us. And thank you if you're listening wherever you are. And remember, please stay Ocean Curious. Take care, everybody. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. bye.